Welcome to your weekly accountability podcast with me, Alexis McCluskey, where we are more about implementation over absorbing information. Every week, I'll be in your ear to give you a kick in the ass you need to show up and identify what is out of your comfort zone. Here, we don't throw pity parties. We are in it for the long game and find the balance between grace and discipline. What makes this podcast different is after each episode, I'll share a post on my Instagram at the tough love coach with a question or challenge of the week for you to comment for accountability. And on Friday, I'll share a check-in to see if you actually implemented what you learned because being inspired by a podcast is cute, but action is hotter. Totally optional, highly recommended. It's free accountability. I'm here to redefine what you see as tough love. So put on those big girl and boy panties and let's get real bitches. XOXO, your tough love coach. Now we got it. Okay, cool. Um, I realized that when I do these workshops, it's always much better to record on the cloud because, and this is for anybody that does any of these type of things, it keeps the chat and you can look back at it. And I think that there's so many really good things shared in the chat that um, when you just like upload it to YouTube or upload it on a different platform, like people don't get to read that. And like, some people aren't going to read the chat, but I'm a chat reader. Like I'm a, I, like who else it, like in, I don't know if you're, you're this, but like, I'm like the chat reader, the comment section reader. Like if I see a post on TikTok or Instagram, immediately going to the, to the comments, I always want to see what like the top comments are. And especially on TikTok, TikTok has like the funniest, sometimes the like, comment section is funnier than the video. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but like, I freaking love the comment section, but, um, I think it's just nice to go back and do that. So in case anybody is like wondering, like, should I record on my computer? Should I record on the cloud? Um, that's, that's why I do it. But, um, what I was going to say is somebody asked a great question, which now it literally just escaped my mind. Oh, so the giveaways, Somebody asked like, how do the giveaways work in terms of like the entries? So your entries like count every day. So it doesn't mean that like all the entries that we had yesterday, they're wiped clean for this next giveaway for day two. They're, they're just reused again. Um, all the same, obviously the same person can't win twice, but, um, the, they're all reused. So you can enter as many times. I saw a bunch of you guys sharing things like that. Like any, any, if you don't win today they're all going to be reused tomorrow. So hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. But I was like, that was a good question. I probably, probably should have shared that. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to get into, um, today we're going to pick a winner. I'm going to go to all my screenshots, little finger action, pick the winner, um, type of thing. And then we'll get into today. So let's do it. Let me go to my little folder and today's giveaway is a 90 minute strategy session. We can use that however you'd like. If you're on this call, if not, we'll, we'll talk to you, but, um, I'm grateful for you being here, Michelle. I'm so happy. I like really do appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy week to like hang out with me. You know, if, whether you're on one of these or you're on all three or you're watching the recording, like taking time out of your busy life to do this is, is something that means a lot to me. And yes, you are putting in the work and showing up, but I, I really do appreciate you. Okay. So let's do this. Let's do this. Where is this? Okay, cool. All right. So we're going to go, we're going to, oh, thanks Julian. Yes. Presley. What's up girl. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not looking. I just need to make sure like my fingers on the right thing and we're going to go. Ah, okay. Wait, is that the right one? Hold on. No, I think that was the wrong one. Did I put wrong ones in here? <laughs> uh, Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay, cool. Sorry. I put, put the wrong one in here. Okay. So Danny 
Nicole. This is on Instagram, so I don't know what your name is. I don't know. Are you on here? This is Danny Nicole with three E's 27. I don't know if she's on here, but even if she's not, she's going to get a message. So let me make sure I screenshot that so I don't forget. You get the 90-minute strategy session, so that's exciting. Um, And reminder that the other two giveaways, one is um, a month of my one-on-one coaching. So you get access to everything. My tough love collective, you get two calls, you get access to me throughout the month for messaging support, anything that you want to do. You want to Instagram audit, you want any of that, like we're going to do that. Um, and then the day three, we'll get more into like what day, day three's giveaway is on day three, but let's jump into today. So I'm curious, um, uh, like as we head into this new chapter of the workshop, um, what is something I always, there's a mute button here and it's so easy to hit it. So if you see me like looking at my microphone, it blinks when you hit it. So I always want to like, make sure I don't hit it. Um, and, and my OCD makes me check it like a million times, but as we, I love you should share in the chat box as we head into this new day of the workshop, what is something that you learned yesterday that you want to make sure that you focus on there, whether you, it was a brand new piece of information, something that you needed the reminder of, doesn't really matter what it was. It could be small, big, whatever, share in the chat box for accountability. So you're putting it out into the universe saying like, yes, I learned this. Yes. I heard this. Yes. I was reminded of this. And this is something that I'm going to put at the forefront of my mind as I move forward. I want to know what, you know, what that is. Cause we're at the beginning of the month, which is also crazy. I feel like I talk about this all the time. I feel like this just happens when you get older. Like not that I'm like old, but like, you're like, man, the time just moves so fast. Like, damn, it's the six already. Like, wasn't it just September 1st? What's going on? <laughs> like, how did the, how did this happen? I'm happy. Cause my birthday's on Tuesday. Um, but like, and football's back and then hockey comes back in October. So like, I love, I love all the burr months. They're the best. And if you think differently, we can be friends, but I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, holding myself accountable does not equate uh, using a shame stick or hyper-focusing on mistakes. Yes. Yes. Girlfriend. I love that reminder that fear is just me trying to feel safe and that's okay. Oh my gosh. Yes. So important. Fear is just us feeling safe, feeling in control, feeling like we, we have everything together. And when we don't push that part away from us and we actually listen to them with place from a place of compassion, like that's where it's at. Um, I don't have to pretend it's not there. Yes. Love that. I love the way you worded that Presley. Um, asking whether a limiting belief is my own or someone else's fear is where the lessons and clarity are. Hell yeah. I love the way you worded that too. Being in the present, being in the present is a journey, not a sprint. Ooh, I love that. That's good. Hells yeah. Okay, cool. Well, keep sharing if you know you want to share for accountability, whatever is coming to mind that you're going to focus on. But today we're going to talk about how to, and then there's a lot of elements to this, but essentially, cause I was like trying to figure out like how the, what, what the hell do I word this? Because there's a lot of different things I want to talk about. Um, but I want to essentially talk about kind of as a whole as to how to use failing forward trial and error as a tool, not a roadblock, because you hear all the time when people are like, fail forward trial and error is beneficial. And like, yes. And even if we've worked through the fears, like sometimes it's, it's hard for us to physically get ourselves, get our nervous system to do that. Right. Because at the end of the day, we are trying to keep ourselves safe. We are trying to keep ourselves safe and comfortable. That's why when you see people who do like bungee jumping and they're going like on the edge, of course, there's some people that are just absolutely psychos and just jump off immediately. But most of the time, like you can feel like I literally feel like I can't jump. So that's why sometimes you need to push like our bodies, our brains are trying to survive. We're not going to do something crazy all the time. So 
this is why it's so important what we talked about yesterday to work through the fears and those limiting beliefs and those things that hold us back and the the ideas that we have around fear uh, around failure and trial and error because when we do that urge to jump to leap when things are scary. I'm not saying it's just going to be super easy, but it becomes easier and it becomes like, we're more inclined. We're more encouraged to be like, yeah, people are saying to fail forward. And I actually kind of like it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that I just like love to fail and it's so fun. Like it's definitely not, but I get excited now when it comes to something new that I'm going to try, like, for example, even if we're just talking about like learning a new hobby, um, for me, I'm starting it, Like if you followed me for a bit, you know, I like to DJ. And so, and I just do it for fun. I'm not like trying to become a DJ or anything like that. I like to DJ. It's fun. And learning was like a big learning curve. And, and so what I'm starting to learn is how to produce music. And that is so hard because a lot of music theory is math essentially. And so I'm learning it and it's, it's so hard, but I'm, I'm excited because I'm excited to see like what I can do and what it's going to teach me about the beliefs I have about myself, even around just math in general. I've told myself a million times that I'm just not good at math and I, and not that I have to go be good at math, but I have to like, uh, like let go of that. So instead of looking at learning at producing music and having to kind of get comfortable with math in a way, essentially, I'm more so looking at it as like, I'm excited for it to expose what I get to work on. Because if I expose what I get to work on, what does that mean? I get to become a better version of me. So I think one of the biggest lessons I want you to think about when it comes to change, because one of the things we're going to talk about today is shifting your perspective on failure and what, 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 um, not what I don't want to say what I call, because I learned this again, just in my studies and whatnot, but raising your failure, failure tolerance. But I want you to look at the the perspective shift around failure, around trial and error, raising your failure failure tolerance and coming to it from a place of like, I'm going to fail and I'm going to do it on purpose in a way because it is going to open up doors for me that makes me grow into an even better version of myself. Because if we only look at failure as I try, I fail, it doesn't work out and then people see me fail or it sucks, it doesn't feel good. Like those things can all be true. But what if we actually make a list of what good comes from failure? So I'm curious, as I continue to go into this share in the chat box, whatever comes to mind, what is actually something beneficial that can come from failure? Like I'm talking straight up, you did something and you sucked at it, you failed at it. It was totally an, you know, trial and error. You can, it could be a mistake. It cannot be a mistake, but, but you failed at it. It didn't work out. What is something good that can happen from a failure? Failure is nothing more than feedback. Hell yeah, Michelle, which you're already getting ahead of me because one of the things that I have in my notes for today is failure is when we change our perspective on failure, we can look at failure as literally it's just data. Like it's just data. Like, let me read what I have to that just because you said that. Um, where is it? Da-da. Yeah. So when you separate yourself from failure, it just becomes data. So instead of I failed at this, you can think of it as I did this thing and this is what didn't work out. Here's how to change it. Data. The only reason failure feels like a thing is because there's emotion attached to it. Because there's, again, going back to what we talked about yesterday, a fear of being seen. And so this 
the, the, all these attachments to like how people see us, how we feel about it, how it makes us feel. And again, we're not ignoring it or pretending like Presley said, like pretending it's not there. We can still validate ourselves and know that we're allowed to feel that way. But when we're trying to accomplish things and come from a place of more logic based, and I don't know how everybody is, but I am not a logic based person at all. I am a feeling person. Um, I'm INFJ. I'm like very, very feel. I like can I can it's weird because I can be a realist, but I'm definitely a feeler. So it can be hard to do that. And I understand, but you can work to be in those situations, kind of flip this like on off switch of like, I'm going to be my, my dad, the data version of me. I'm going to be just an information version of me. Okay. Let me see what you guys are sharing. Um, it highlights the path that is not in alignment for you. Oh yes. This is why I want to save this chat. Let's just like screenshot all of these and share them on our Instagram because I love these. You can change your past and, and not waste time or energy. Yes, exactly. So it's like, it might feel like in those moments when we're failing that it's like, oh, it's a waste of time. Oh, I can't believe I'm, you know, I, this didn't work out because now everything I just did before was worth nothing. That literally can never be true. And this is, you know, what we're talking about in this in this um, workshop. But one of the reasons that I created this fuck the fear of failure, when I created my mastermind, when I did this workshop, one of the other elements besides fear of failure, need for perfection, fear of being seen was the fear of, I put, I put in so much time and energy. What if it's not worth it? I personally believe that that is impossible for it to happen because no matter what you did, no matter how much, I don't care if you like put in five years of something and then you can't move forward. The five years of data that you have is profound. It is irreplaceable. It is priceless. And when you feel your feelings, get upset, know that, yes, I just put in all this work in it and it didn't work out the way I want, wanted to, but it gives you more information. The next thing you do is going to be a million times better than it would if you didn't have all of that data. You know what I mean? Um, failure can inspire a pivot to something better. Yes. I learned the quality of, I learned that quality of time doing something is better than hours spent. Exactly. We love all of this. Yes, 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 yes. Allowing fear to be a loving teacher rather than a punisher. Oh my gosh. I love all of this, y'all. I hope we're like just going to get off this call and just like take over the world. Um, failure allows us to stop knocking on closed doors. Ooh, hell yeah, Ivy. Oh my gosh. I'm going to screenshot all of these. I love all of this. Um, I know, right? And this is why this is the best part of like, whether you're in a workshop or you're in a mastermind and you're in a group setting, like minds coming together, even minds that have similar fears, we all deep down know that we want to feel different and we want to see things differently. But sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of the times we can't do it on our own and we don't have to do it on our own. Like when we get together with other people, it just like changes everything. Um, I love all of this. Hell yeah. Okay. All of this is great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. Where were we? So, um, so again, going, going back to this idea of using trial and error and failure as your friend, we want to use it as a way to catapult us into success and be brave as fuck. And as you're seeing by everybody sharing like a way to look at failure, there's so many benefits to it. And so when we look at failure and trial and error as a way to catapult us forward, we're going to see it as a vehicle for us to like, want to jump into that. We're going to like, let's get in the front seat and like drive versus like trying to avoid ever getting inside of that car, which again is totally fine. That's why we talked about what we talked about yesterday, but we got all that on our brain. We're going to work on that. Now we're going to jump into this. So there's, everybody looks at this differently. For me, there are about four or five different elements to getting to the place where trial and error and failure is your friend. Um, somebody's in the waiting room. Um, okay, cool. 
All right, everybody's joining at once. Okay, cool. Um, so habits, your failure tolerance, shifting how you see failure, and aiming for rejection. So we're going to talk about all of these individually. And so um, the first piece, I kind of talked, hinted that I was going to talk about it today. Um, but uh, habits, when you when we know that our fears are deeper than habits, which again, talked about yesterday. I want to always continue to put that asterisk there because I never want anybody to think I'm just like dismissing that. But we know that our fears are deeper than habits. But I want us to get to the more external because that's more of the internal. Your fear of failure is a habit. Your need for perfectionism is a habit. Your fear of being seen is a habit. And your fear of literally anything is most likely a habit. A habit is not the only element. It's just the other side of the coin. When we, and this is like, you're going to be like, Alexis, you're giving us the definition of a habit, but yes, it's just to kind of hammer it in. But when we repeat something, a behavior, a perspective that makes us do another behavior, like we, we do something, we have a behavior, it makes us do another behavior, it makes us think something, whatever, that is essentially a habit, right? Obviously. So again, I want you to share when you feel the need to be, and I'm going to give you some examples too, but when you feel the need to be perfect, and just put yourself in those moments when you go to do something for your business, whatever, you feel the need to be perfect. What are some of the things that you always do when that happens? Like the thought process or the behaviors that you do. Um, same thing with like fear of failure. When you let fear of failure stop you, what is something you do? You always do. When you let the fear of being seen stop you, what is something you always do? So share in the chat box. I'll give you some examples just to help you. Like this makes sense if like you're kind of like, I don't know what you mean. Um, but uh, so when you when you like look at these things, you can notice the habits and we can change them. So for example, if every time you go, this would be a habit of perfectionism. If every time when you go to make a post, your perfectionism makes you think about what you, I was just talking to a client about this. Um, like every time she goes to post, she thinks about like, oh, well, my hair's not done and I don't have my makeup on and I kind of look like a mess. And then I'm not really sure what the caption should be. And like, is this post even going to be good enough? It's like kind of like that, like train of, of thoughts that just go on and on and on. And then it takes you two hours to make a, to make one post. That is what you are used to doing. That is a habit. So that would be an example of what that, that looks like. Um, start cleaning or do an easier productive task. Yes, procrastination is going to be one of the number one habits of these fears, right? Um, uh, I try to over plan and have all the answers figured out. Yes, yes. Um, I freeze. I get super excited to film something. Then I film it, watch it, hate it, delete it, and then never post it as a result. Um I tend to let the inner critic talk me out of things and I do think impulsively. So all of these things, yes, they are behaviors, but they're habits. And the reason why I want to point them out as habits is because anything that is a habit, we can change. It's connected to fear. We know that, but it's still just the, the neural pathway in our brain that says every time X happen, happens, Y happens. Every time I have a fear of failure, I procrastinate. Every time perfectionism comes up, I, you know, film something and then delete it. So you can kind of see like what that looks like. So going back to this example of like, every time you make a post, perfectionism comes in, you take two hours to make the post because you're overthinking it. We need to change the habit. So what we do besides work on the reason why we have that, the, the, the habit and the fear in the first place is work on that in terms of the actual behavior of it. And there's a million answers to this, but this is just an example of what you could replace as the new habit is instead you could practice throwing together a post with like, um, like maybe two checklist things instead of 45 
And you're like, okay, as long as it has this and this, that's all I'm allowed to worry about. And yes, you're still going to put the, the post out with a little bit of fear and a little bit of worry, but you're changing your behavior for each time you post. We already know we're going to work on how we feel about it, how we feel about ourselves and the shame and the guilt. But if every time you go to make a post while you're working through your response to your fear with this old habit and you're trying to create a new habit, what's your new habit? I'm going to make sure I have my two checklists that it's you know, connected to my ideal client and my audience. And it, and it's like clear to, you know, what I'm, what, whatever the message is, but spell checking, not going to do it. How you look, not going to worry about it. You know what I mean? So you can kind of figure out that could, that could just be an example of it. You could also maybe like text a friend or a fellow entrepreneur or somebody else that's also doing what you're doing each time you go to make a post and say, Hey, I'm going to make a post like text me in 10 minutes and make sure I'm done. Like there, there's no right way to do it, but, and you don't have to do that forever, but imagine you did that for like the next two months and you had like a text posting buddy and each time, and you, it doesn't have to be that, that process, but it could just be like, Hey, I'm going to make a post check, check in with me in you know, 10 minutes and see if I did it. And then each time you do that, that's a totally different habit than what you've done before. You could also even have the habit as re- replacing overthinking with a mantra. So you're going to go to make a post, maybe like for the person who said that that they're going to film it. So typically you film it, watch it, delete it. Maybe you have um, like a new thing when you film it, when you watch it, after you watch it, you like have a mantra that you repeat to yourself. You take a few deep breaths, you say your mantra five times, and then you go make the post. Again, this doesn't mean that automatically this is just going to happen and it's going to be super easy. But what we're trying to do is change the pattern, change the habit of what you've been doing in the past. So you might try to do that and still have some resistance. It's going to be messy. Then you're going to try it again. And then you're going to try it again. And then you're going to try it again. And imagine what kind of different outcomes will happen if you do that. So another example of this would be if let's say you want to start a new project for those of you who are maybe trying to start a new business, or maybe you already have a business and you're trying to put a new offer out there, whatever it is, new project, new creative thing, new piece of art, new product, whatever you're trying to put it out there. And then the fear, fear of failure creeps in. So you procrastinate. Like somebody said, they start cleaning been there before. Cause I'm a Virgo and I like, I love to clean. So I'm like, you know what? I need to clean. I need to water my plates. I need to reorganize my underwear drawer. Like why there's just no need but that's easier than facing what I'm actually afraid of. Right. So we procrastinate. So we know, and that, that like procrastination is going to probably be the main habit for most of you that are struggling with the fear. It's the habit for everybody. When we, when we have fear of pretty much anything. So another example of like what this could look like is maybe you have, um, like a breathing practice, uh, every time, like again, breath work might, might not necessarily work for everybody, but maybe you have like a breathing practice that you can do, um, before you start to like do your brainstorming session or before you start to do anything that's dedicated to this new project. Um, so instead of I'm going to go clean, I'm going to actually connect with myself. I'm going to breathe. Maybe you even like journal to yourself. Um, I saw this post and this is just coming to mind. And I don't know if this will resonate because I didn't plan on saying this, but this just popped into my head and maybe the universe is like, say it, say it. Um, I saw this post yesterday on TikTok that it was more so talking about how to like manifest like the person that you're talking to, to like be in love with you. And I thought it was really genius. I've never heard anything like this. And it was saying, and I'm going to connect it to this, but it was saying that um, what you do is you write a love letter, but from the perspective of the person that you're talking to, as if they were writing it to you. So it would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with you, blah, blah, blah. So I was thinking about this in terms of like motivating yourself. You This wouldn't necessarily be a habit that I would want you to do every time because that's really distracting. 
but in just in terms of like getting yourself in this place of like, I don't know, like motivation and excitement and, and, and visualization, you could think about like writing instead. Cause we think about like, let me write like to my future self, or let me write like a visualization of like what my life's going to look like. But what I'm thinking is instead of like writing it from the perspective of like, like, let's say you want to write a book. Maybe you write it from the perspective of like a publisher writing it to you, asking to like publish your book. Or maybe you write it from like your first client, like begging you to like put out your offer. Like how cool would that be to write it from that perspective of like somebody asking you to put your thing out into the world? Maybe you're trying to start a podcast. Maybe you're trying to start a business. Like you can write it from the perspective of like your, you know, your biggest, like your fan group, whatever. Like, I feel like that would just be like a fun, cool way. So I don't know. That just came to mind. So I wanted to share that, but I think it's like a really cool idea. So another thing you could do when you go to start the project, and this is more of just like a smart behavior, but is to break down the process into chunks. And I teach this with my clients a lot. Most of the time we fall into all or nothing thinking or the actually other way around. The reason why we aren't doing the things we like when it comes like a new project, we're got to write out a new offer. We have this new thing we want to put out is because we put on our to-do list, start podcast, create website. Oh my God. That takes so many steps. Why are we putting that on our to-do list? We get throw. I want you to, if there's anything you take from this workshop, let it be that. Throw out the idea that when you have a new project, a new thing you want to put out into the world, stop putting it as like, start this. You need to break it down into as many different steps as you can. So when you go to do it, and I, I get my clients to do this, like, let's say they want to put out a new offer. So instead of just saying like, work on new offer, oh my God, I'm like, okay, what are the five, 10, 15, maybe even 20 things if you really want to break it down to like five, 10, 30 minute chunks are the things that you need to do to make that happen. If you do that, it makes the likelihood of you procrastinating less because the, not that the fear of failure isn't there. We're already making sure that we're working on that, but it's not as overwhelming. And when we have a fear of failure and we have a habit of procrastinating, we don't need to add overwhelm to the mix, right? So we want to break it down into chunks. So whatever it is that, you know, you've been putting on your, yes, teeny tiny starter steps, like whatever you're putting on your to-do list, like break it down into small chunks. It will make it so, you know, that's not the case. And one last thing that you could possibly do with this is find a body doubling buddy. Body doubling means that you're just either in the room with someone or on Zoom, FaceTime, whatever, where you guys are both working on something. And so again, this is why it's so nice to have fellow entrepreneurs. And it doesn't even have to be every day if you have somebody that you can do that with, but maybe like you have one brainstorming or like project working session a week where you do it with another person. Maybe you just hop on Zoom. You guys don't even have to talk, but you're sitting on Zoom and you're sitting next to each other. I do this. I live with a um, a girl right now. And like once or twice a week, we just go to a coffee shop and we just like get shit done. We don't even really talk. Like occasionally we'll talk, but like we don't want to distract each other and we just get shit done. And it's so nice. So you could do something like that because that's going to change the habit of procrastination from procrastinating to actually getting work done. And then that's going to create self-motivation and that's going to be easier for, for you to move yourself forward. So to get closer to making trial and error, our friend, we want to make the opposite of what we've been doing a habit. Okay. Um, all right. Let me see what you guys are saying. Um, I'm moving in nine days and I pack it rid of things. And when fear creeps up, it's procrastination, but it's something that has to be done. Yes. And like moving can be a lot. Th those can be moments, Karen, where like, 
you find the balance between instead of trying, it doesn't mean like you don't still just like show up and like push yourself to do it. But maybe when you notice the fear coming up and you notice you want to like stop hacking and go do something else, you can take a second to like, okay, what part of me, like you're getting, you're having a conversation with that little version of you. Like what part of me needs some time and attention. And you can find out that you're like, we're scared. Moving is scary. There's so many changes. And it's like, listen to that part of you. And you don't have to necessarily like journal it out, but just like have that conversation. Like, okay, yes, it's scary. I hear you. And then move through it and then go continue to like pack. But you've listened to yourself. You've come from a place of compassion. So that voice won't continue to come up as often because she feels heard, if that makes sense. Um, also being realistic with yourself in terms of what you can accomplish that day. Yes, exactly. Like we, we overestimate that we can, what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a year, a million times over. And that overestimation is going to come from my perfectionist, my workaholics, that, that idea that most people have in their head, that my worth is determined by my productivity. We have to shift that, that perspective, because if not, it's, oh, we're never going to do enough. It's like, we make a to-do list and then we cross some things off, but we add more because it just wasn't quite enough today. You know what I mean? We don't want to be in that place. Um, uh, Bali doubling is great for me. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It really, really is. Um, okay. So now I want to move to your failure tolerance. So again, chat box it up. What is your, what would you say your failure tolerance is on a scale of one to 10? So if you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, Alexis? What's a failure tolerance? Your failure tolerance is the tolerance you have when it comes to failure. If your failure tolerance is a one, that means the smallest thing that you fail at is going to set you into an absolute spiral. You suck. You're awful. You're going to beat yourself up. You can't get out of it. You're going to be like in bed for 10 days. 10 means that that failure doesn't bother you at all. I would be very surprised if anybody said 10, you can say 10 if you want, but 10 would mean you probably don't need to be here. And I'm not even at a 10. So scale of one to 10, where would you say your tolerance for failure is at? And that's okay. Yeah, we're all, we're all in a working prog pro process. Even if you're like a one or a two or a three, we're all, and even if you're at a one, hey, it's only up from here, right? way you could look at it. Um, okay. Three on a good day. My emotions are way too intertwined and that's okay. You have the awareness of that and we can focus on the emotions versus trying to raise the failure tolerance just yet. We can work on that too, but it's working through the emotions connected to it. That way, when we're trying to raise the failure tolerance, it becomes a little bit less, um, there's a li little bit less resistance, um, around a five, seven, five, four, four, five, seven, six, three, five, six. Okay, cool. So we kind of kind of like an average, I'd say maybe like a six, six or a five, um, which is where I would expect everybody, everybody to be. So our goal is get, to get you to the point where you get just as excited at failure as you do for succeeding. Right. And maybe that'll never be like the exact like balance of that scale. Um, but we want it. So it makes you work harder. makes you excited to try the next thing. Th same thing we talked about at the very beginning of the call, um, about, uh, looking at failure and we, you guys listed so many amazing things like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, these are all the amazing things that we, that can happen when you fail. So we know that still makes it difficult because like Ivy said, emotions are attached to that. We all have those, but I want you to think about like, like school. What if in school we were taught to lean into failure? Like what? It, Cause, and like, when I think about this, it almost makes me want to cry because I'm like, 
oh, like how good would it have been for me, especially being a kid in school with ADHD and, and for other people as well. But what if in school we were taught that, okay, I got an F and instead of what did we, most of us do hide it from our parents. I had new kids that like hacked into like the school system and like changed their grades. Like what if instead of trying to, like when we got an F, we were encouraged to literally bring it to our parents, bring it to our teachers, bring it to our whatever and say, okay, what can we do to get a better grade? How did, like how different would we think about failure? If that's what we were taught in school, it wasn't like, don't, you know, cause how many kids like got like a, you know, a B plus or an A minus and they were afraid to bring it home to their parents because it wasn't good enough. So like an F is one thing, but like any of those things, like imagine if that's what we were encouraged to do. It's like, Ooh, okay. Got an F now let's see what we need to work on. Because when we, what, what is taught is you get an F and it's, oh, it's scary. I got to hide my report card. My parents can't see. I got to make sure that they sign it and see it. And it's awful. And then what happens when, when we do that, we don't try to do better. I mean, obviously some people do, but it's more, we put so much time and energy into making sure no one sees the F instead of being like, yo, dude, I got an F. You got an F too. You got an F too. Okay, cool. Let's like chat about it. And it wasn't embarrassing and it wasn't scary. So what we want to ask ourselves is, are you willing and if you're here, I imagine that you are because you're trying to work through this. Are you willing to get an F on a test six times before you get an A? Like really think about that for a second. And the people that are, that are willing to get an F six times on their tests before they're willing to get in or before they get an A are always the ones that are going to be successful. But the people that are like, I only think I can handle like getting an F once or getting an F twice and then I'm out. I'm out. I got, I got to bounce. I can't do it. And I understand why, again, we're not invalidating that your nervous system, your emotions, your trauma are all connected to that. That's why we talked about that yesterday, but, and you can even just put that on a sticky note, put it up on your wall. Think about that for the last quarter of this year. Am I willing to get an F six times before I'm willing to get an A? And I know I am. I know I am. I, even though there are times where I don't, want to feel the way failure makes me feel. Again, I remind myself of all the things that you guys listed in the chat box that are going to happen when I, when I, when I fail. So another thing I want you guys to share is what would it look like if you had a huge failure tolerance? Just think about that. Like just like one thing, like what would be different in your life? What would be different in your business and your relationships, your marriage, your whatever you're going through right now? What would it look like if your failure tolerance was a 10? Like your, the tolerance was just so high. It was just like, okay, I failed. Cool. That's data. What's next? Like, it was just like off the shoulder, Jay-Z brush dirt off the shoulder. <laughs> that song is called. I haven't heard it in forever. I know it, but I can't think of it. Um, but like, what would happen? I'm curious, like what, what would happen for you? And I think like most of you would just like go skyrocketing through the moon. Like, yeah, tried everything you've ever wanted to. Like there would be absolutely no limits. And that's why when I think people say that they don't have a fear of failure, not that I'm like telling people that they're lying, but like there's a lot of things that people don't try. You might be willing to fail in one area of life, but not willing to fail in another, maybe in your business. Cause I really want this, this, this whole workshop to benefit you in all areas of your life. Maybe you don't, maybe some people don't have like a huge fear of failure in their business, but like they won't have a conversation with their significant other because it literally makes them want to puke to like be honest with them. That's a fear of failure. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you can totally be honest in communication, but the idea of, you know, doing something like that in your business is scary. So we want to raise our failure tolerance in all other areas. Life would be so much easier. And the thing about it is, Jessica, is that 
it gets to be easier. It doesn't have to be right away and we can work through what is making it so it's not easier, but it it doesn't have to be this like pipe dream that like we don't get to 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 get there just yet. Um what would happen if you were 10 times bolder? Yes, I love that. I would be more financially stable and in healthier relationships. Yes, all of it, all of it, all of it. I wouldn't be burnt out so easily. Um I am bold as fuck and and others I'm scared a little girl feeling unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. It's allowed to be easy because I said so. Hell yeah. We love that snazzy attitude. Like that's what we want. That's the kind of energy that we want. So obviously like this is where we want to go, but and we're, I'm going to talk about how to raise your failure, failure tolerance. But the other thing that has to, that comes along with this is our stagnation tolerance needs to decrease. So failure tolerance needs to increase but our fit, our stagnation tolerance needs to decrease. So same. So it's just essentially the opposite. So stagnation tolerance means that you are not okay with just staying where you are. Cause most of the time, if our failure tolerance is really low and our stagnation tolerance is really high, it means that the smallest failure is going to send us into a spiral, but we're kind of okay. If like, we're not moving forward because if we're okay with failure, we're going to move forward. Action moves, moves us forward. Right. And so stagnation means that we're okay with staying safe and staying comfortable. So we need to rate or we need to decrease that as well. And sorry, I have like a microphone, so I'm hoping it's not picking up sound, but the dogs in my house are going absolutely apeshit. So I, I think it's probably just somebody walking by. So hopefully that'll stop. I don't know if you guys can hear them. Um, okay. So where, where were we at? Um, so another thing with this too, before we talk about how to increase failure tolerance and, and you guys know this, but if you never fail, you never know your limits. This is one of my favorite quotes It's very simple, but it's so, and then like, when you like, when you hear it, you're like, okay, cool. But like, when you really sit with it and think about it, it's like, oh, like if you never fail, you never know your limits. And if you set your goal too low and you hit it, you'll never know what your actual potential is. This is why at the, you know, if you're aiming for, I want to make, you know, X amount of dollars in a year, you'd always rather aim for a $300,000 goal. I'm just using a random number, but aim for a $300,000 goal versus a hundred thousand goal. Cause we typically, if you learn from Grant Cardone, we always underestimate like the amount of work something takes. And so we'll typically always land right beneath our goal. So I'd rather come up short on a $300,000 goal than come up short on a hundred thousand dollar goal. So if we set our goal too low, just to make sure that we don't disappoint ourselves, then we don't know our potential, which sucks. Right. And so if we can, it doesn't mean you have to raise the bar so high that like the goals seem so outrageous that you don't even go for them. Cause you definitely can do that with goals. If you just set yourself up where they're just like outrageous, it can be like, it can be, it can get to the point where you're like in your head, you're like, well, I might not ever hit this. So then you can give up. So if you, we don't want to set our goals too low. We don't want to never fail because if we fail, we, we are going to know um, where, where we can go. If we set the bar high, we can see what our potential can be, but we have to keep that in mind. So, um, I so saw you said, I love that shift shit, but I love that shift. I love that shift. I love that shit. It's all the same. <laughs> I love both. So, okay. So, um, Raising your failure tolerance. So uh, all, the, all the things I just talked about are are also going to be, you know, beneficial. Um, but uh, number one is going to be shifting how you see failure. So changing what it means to fail for you. So again, you kind of, you guys kind of already shared 
this, but if anything else like comes to mind, what is a different way to look at failure that you're going to commit to? So this doesn't, and it can be kind of like what can happen from failure, but a different way that you're going to look at it. So instead of when I fail, that means that I suck. It can say when I fail, that means I've gained information or when I fail, that makes me excited to see how I can grow something along those lines, if anything else different comes up, because what you guys shared earlier was, was great, but anything else, because if you change the way or change the way failure, you look at failure, it's going, it's just, even if you just think about what you guys shared earlier, that, that alone, just even like, I know some people were saying they were reading it and feeling like motivated, like, yes, you know what I mean? We've got to work on the route, but those things can be, can be massive. So, um, the way I look at it is I am not failure. I just separate myself from failure. It's an example when I used to do nutrition and fitness and I would have people come to me and they would really struggle with binge eating. I worked with a lot of binge eaters. And so what happens is like, if you have somebody that binge eats, they go, I'm going to do really well for like 30 days and uh, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to like eat all the right food. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to do awesome. And so they, they do it for, you know, 27 days. And on day 28, they have a really rough day at work and they come home and they eat an entire box of pizza and drink a bottle of wine. When someone identifies with failure, two different people, somebody who identifies it, some, somebody who doesn't and just looks at his data, the person who identifies with it has the emotions attached to it. They go, oh, I'm such a failure. This isn't what I want to do. I only had two more days. I can't believe I couldn't hold on. And they beat themselves up and there's a lot of shame and like they spiral and all the things connected to it. But if you have the person who separates themselves from failure and they go, oh, hmm. Well, I was planning on doing it for 30 days, but I just ate pizza and drank wine and I really didn't want to, but like, I totally can. Okay, cool. I'm just not going to do that tomorrow. I'm just going to wake up and pretend it never happened. Like, it's just this like separation from it and looking at it, like you take the power away from failure. You can still listen to those parts of you that are feeling fearful, but you take the power away from it. It's kind of just like getting to the point and this takes work and it's all the work that we're talking about, but it, it's just like, like you, you, it's unbothered, nonchalant energy of it. And to get to that place, you got to do what we've, what we talked about, but m working towards that, I promise you, you can. Um, so that goes, just goes back to what we talked about, about like the whole data thing. Okay. So, um, another thing with this to a uh, shift, like kind of like how, how you see failure is when we, when we're, when we're struggling with failure, what we can do is we can feel like we need somebody's help. And like, we're, we're looking for others and not like, I don't mean in the sense of like getting support, but trying to like get ourselves out of uh, like, like avoiding failure. Like, Oh my God, I need somebody's help because if I fail, I mean, instead, when you feel that feeling of like, you need someone to come save you, essentially, I want you to stop yourself and ask, what is something else you can try and then do it? Which like seems super simple, but like, that's like a perspective shift to shift. Instead of thinking I'm, I'm, I'm falling apart. This is, this is failing. And it doesn't mean don't go get support. It just means in those moments, take a second to support yourself and say, okay, what is something different that I can do in that moment? And then you just continue to try something else until it works. Even if that means you're going to fail at those other things until it works. Um, and then uh, next would be aiming for rejection. So if you haven't heard of the book, anybody who really struggles with most of the time, failure and rejection are kind of going to go hand in hand. But uh, there's a book called Rejection Proof. It has like a, a red umbrella on the outside. I forget the name of the author because it's, I'm pretty sure it's like in Japanese and I wouldn't even try to begin to pronounce it because I know I would butcher it. Um, but it's just called uh, Rejection Proof. And it's, and it's an incredible book. It's about a guy who's, I think he spent like, 
a hundred days or something like that purposely going for rejection. So there's, it's just like the story and like all the research that he did of like purposely going out and like putting himself in situations where he knew he would get rejected. Um, and it's just interesting, like what he learns and what he experiences, the friends he makes, the success he has, the money he makes, it's insane. And so if you want something that's kind of like this really motivating story along those lines, like I highly recommend starting with that. Cause like, those are they're really great. And like becoming rejection proof, like, yes, it's going to suck in the beginning, but so does everything else that you want to work for the, 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 the health, the, the, the wellness, the business, the money, the relationship, whatever it is, like all of those things are going to suck, but imagine what it would be like to be rejection proof. Same as like what it would be like to have a high failure tolerance. Imagine what it would be like to be rejection proof. So what I want you to do, and you can do this if you want, um, but I, what pick an impossible goal and set up opportunities to fail. Failure is just an emotion that we're trying to avoid. This goes back to those emotions, but that's all it is, right? It is just an emotion we are trying to avoid. So I want you to pick an impossible goal and set up opportunities to fail. Hold on. I'm going to close my window. Can you guys hear the dogs barking? Okay, cool. It's bothering the hell out of me, but as long as you guys can't hear it, that's all that really matters. But I want to close my window. Hold on. Okay. I can still hear them, but as long as you guys can't hear them, that's like really all that matters. And we're, we're getting to the end here. So I don't know what they're losing their minds over, but like, maybe there's like a murderer in the house and they're going to come kill me, but I'm on live. So you guys can like call 911 in case somebody comes and murders me. Um, so yeah, so, so think about, and this can be, if it's too scary to do it, like for your business or it's too scary for, to do it in another area, maybe pick a goal, like in your like relationship or whatever area might be a little bit easier. Cause I'm all about doing what's beneficial to your nervous system. You don't have to just like be this, like, Grant Cardone or um, David Goggins type of energy. And I love both of them, but not everybody's built for that masculine energy. You don't have to be like, you have to like scare the absolute shit out of yourself. Like some people are built for that, but some people are going to totally wreck their nervous system if they do that. And it's not going to be good. But so think about what, uh, what you're working towards and what would be like an impossible goal. So for example, if you sign two new clients a month or three or five or whatever, whatever, like your average is, maybe you set a goal to set, to sign 20 clients because that would, I'm not saying it's impossible, but like, if it's, if you, it's like very far out of anything you've ever done, if like your highest number was three clients in a month and you aim for 20, not impossible, but a very big stretch, or maybe it's a money goal, or maybe it's, um, uh, like a fitness goal, like, and not that it has to be, you know, like losing weight or anything like that, but just using an example. So maybe you like, you know, say you want to, um, run a marathon like tomorrow you know, probably pretty impossible or you're going to hurt yourself. I don't want you to hurt yourself, but we want to pick something that seems so far out of reach and you're going to purposely go for it and know that you're going to fail. Like, like if I said, I'm going to run a marathon by the end of the week and I had to practice it, I'm probably going to start to try to train for it and like run, I don't know, 10 miles tomorrow. And by mile eight, I'm probably going to like not be able to move my legs and I'm going to fail at it. And I'm going to purposely have done it but then I'm going to see the goal is to sit into the feeling and go, Oh, I didn't, I, I, I didn't spontaneously combust. I failed at this. It didn't happen, but I survived. So, and anything that you do, even though we know that we're, that we're purposely trying to fail, you're probably still going to learn from it. Right. So, and that's going to be part of the homework as well. I want you to pick like what that is. And like, at the end of the day, like, again, you don't, you don't have to do that. Um, but wait, where did this go? There we go. Um, you don't have to do that, but I'd love to know, like, if you're going to set yourself up in that, in that way.
Um, also my computer's in the sun. I think it's overheating. I got to move it. Okay. All right. Um, we're almost done here. So uh, we're going to do Q and a in a second. So if you guys have questions, you can, um, get ready to drop them in there. Okay. So last piece of this are, and I talked about that. I was going to talk about this. Um, oh my gosh, my microphone is falling apart. Sorry. Everything's a mess here. We're just making it work. My microphone might fall off and I might have to hold it. But so last thing I wanted to talk about is trial and error that you might want to avoid. I know this whole entire time I have been talking about like trial and error and fail forward. And yes, and at the end of the day, anything that you try and do is going to be for the best. So anything that I list here, like that doesn't mean like if you do it, like, oh my God, you have to avoid it or so that at the end of the world. Like I, I very am much an advocate for like trying different things and seeing what happens. Um, but these are just some things, and these are just a few categories in the work that I do with clients. We dive way more into this and something that I'm going to be sharing with you guys tomorrow will be something where we're diving way more into this, but these are just some examples. Um, but so I did like a few different categories. So first is mindset and I'm just a few of these. So I'm going to share like what, what I think isn't the best. And when I say trial and error, you might want to avoid These are things that I have seen in my work with clients, whether it be business related, social media. So we have mindset, we have creativity, we have offers in social media. Those are some of the examples. These are just these areas where I'm like, I've seen people do it. And I'm like, you know what? Let's not do that anymore. Let's try this instead. Not because that, that trial and error is not going to teach them anything, but I'd rather, it's just like not worth the trial and error. You know what I mean? So, um, these are just some of the ones that I've come up with. So I'm going to essentially share like what isn't the best and what I would try instead. So for mindset, um, what isn't the best? I think forcing yourself to do something just because it works for someone else. Um, so if you see, for example, um, breath work or meditation. And everybody's like, you got to do breath work. You got to do meditation. It's the best. I really think it's great, but sometimes for some people, and it could just be for their, that temporary place in their life where breath work and meditation, because due to their trauma, due to their nervous system actually puts them in a higher state of stress. So if you see somebody doing it, but you're just trying to force yourself to do it just because, you know, Joe Schmo said to do it on, on social media, you could end up doing more damage than good. So when I say like forcing yourself to do something, it, the, what I would try to do instead is really listen to yourself, which I know can be, you know, a little bit difficult, but the breath work and meditation might be too overwhelming for your nervous system. So forcing it could cause more damage. So if you notice that every time you try to do something like that, you have resistance, you want to be able to trust your intuition. You might notice that like, this actually makes me feel not so great. So, and that there's so many things that could fall into that category, but think about if there's anything that you're doing right now in your life, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's like something that feels beneficial, but it, you're having more resistance to it. You can always revisit it, but why not do something that feels really good? So for creativity launching, um, like new ideas, what isn't the best I would say is going with the flow and only creating when you feel like it. Talk to a lot of clients that do this. And I do teach with, especially with working with a lot of neurodivergent people and people with ADHD, we don't like to feel super caged in and have like a six month content calendar. I'm not telling you to do that, but you, what would work best and what I would try instead is finding a system that works so you can like do like create in a way that, that like works for you while also still like being somewhat structured. So this can be like lining up your posting schedule 
do not even a schedule, but what you're going to talk about the subjects, the content based off of what your next offer is going to be. Or maybe you have like a topic of the month. So like you could have a topic of the month and still not have a ton of like content planned out, but you're still aiming for like a general amount of things. I'll do this. I do not plan out my content, but I'll have maybe like a subject or like, like this whole past, like I would say like two weeks and we'll continue into September is going to all be about everything that we're talking about and even deeper dives and different things like that. And so like, I know I'm going to talk about that. I have a list of different things for threads and for reels and for carousel posts. I have no idea exactly what I'm going to do or what it's going to look like, but that's a general idea. I think too many times when people go with the flow because they only feel creative sometimes can do more damage because they're not as consistent. They aren't failing because they're not trying to do different things and they're only posting when it feels like everything is perfect. So that would be an example with that. Another with like putting out offers is um, what isn't the best would be putting out a ton of offers because you feel like more offers are better. This is something that I did last year and I really screwed myself over. I was working with a mentor. She was great, but I don't really think she was the right mentor for me. She put out like three, two to three new offers every month. So it'd be like a one day thing. It would be a one week workshop or a three day workshop. She did like three of those a month. She was constantly launching, constantly putting out offers. And so like, I thought that like, that's what I should do. And not that and I learned from it again, trial and error. But if you have someone that can save you some time, which is what I'm trying to do, unless you feel like you can keep up with that and you like it, go for it. But for me, like put doing that was not the best. So what I did instead was I was intentional about the offers I was putting out and was focused more on putting that time and energy instead of launching and constantly putting things out. Cause I thought it was going to like be more successful, help more people make more money. I was more focused on a smart client journey of like, okay, how does someone get in the door? What's the next step? What, you know, what do I want to put in and have like four major launches that I put out in a year, maybe more, but four main ones and be very intentional about getting people in the door with that instead. And so then the last thing would be a few with social media. I talked about these already, but um, so what isn't the best? Cold messaging. This is you message someone that doesn't know who you are. You've never talked to them ever in your life. And you say, hey, I saw that, you know, you said you were struggling with mindset. I'm a mindset coach. Like, are you looking for a mentor? That is almost never going to work. I'm not saying it can't, I'm not saying it hasn't ever. And you can you could maybe even do that if somebody's already on your page, they follow you, they look at your Instagram story every day. I start conversations with people like that all the time. Um, but I don't say, hey, do you want to work with me? I actually get to know them. I build a relationship with them. I ask them about them. A lot of times I'll offer them a free call, like to dive into something. And then by the time we get through a free 20 minute call and I'm just offering them some free advice, they're already asking like, well, this is great. How can I work with you? But I worked to get to that place. And yes, it takes a bit more time, but cold messaging isn't going to, isn't going to be the best thing. So, you know, what I would try instead is actually conversating and getting to know people. And there's more to that, but that's like the, you know, the surface level of it. Another thing would be is posting a shit ton of stories. This is another thing that I did before. I don't see too many people do this as often. I mean, I don't see everybody's stories, but I definitely see this, especially with a lot of network marketers um, is like, they'll have like 30 or 40 like stories on their Instagram people, no matter how much someone loves you, they are not going to watch that. I have a decent following. And whenever I post, like I'm posting more right now, just cause I'm reposting what you guys are sharing. Cause that's just what's going on right now with the workshop. But typically I, I limit myself to like 12 or 14 stories a day. 
right now my story views are a lot lower than they usually are because I'm posting so much. People only have so much of an attention span. So I highly recommend don't trial and error your way through months and months and months and months and months of posting 30 to 40 Instagram stories, thinking the more you post, the more people will watch. It's about what I would try instead is being very intentional about what you put out. But on the other end of that spectrum, don't post two stories a day and, and expect people to get to know who you are. Your feed posts are for people to um, follow you and find you. Your story post is for people to get to know you and build a relationship with you. And if you only post one story a day or two, and one of it is somebody else's content, they're not going to get to know you. Um, and then the last thing would be um, avoiding a niche because you don't want to niche down. And what I would do instead is having an umbrella theme. And I teach this at a lot of with my clients and, and in my like masterminds. Umbrella theme is just the overarching theme of your page without niching down. That is the common thread that all of your clients have in common. So working with a one-on-one -on -one client right now, we just had a call yesterday, I think. And what we found is she does mind, body, and soul wellness. She does breath work. She does energy healing. She does holistic health but so does everybody else that does that, right? So I was like, what makes you different? And so what we found as a common theme that she's having conversations with all of her clients is boundaries and people-pleasing. So she helps people take their power back through setting boundaries and people-pleasing, but with a mind, body, and soul approach. And so that's the her common thread. So she doesn't have to niche down to like just holistic health or just breath work. She can talk about all of those things, but we want to have this umbrella theme of there's always going to be this essence, this like salt bay sprinkle of boundaries and people pleasing in some way. She has to figure out how to do that, but that's essentially what it is. So those are some of the things. There's a million other ones of those. Um, and it's not the end of the world if you do any of them or you have done any of them. Those are just some of the things I'm just trying to save you, save you some time. Um, so yeah, so again, we're right at the right at the mark. Again, I'm just like, I don't I don't time out these trainings. I've just done them a lot, but I'm always proud of myself and I'm like, damn, I got it right, right on right on the money. Um, so I want to read some of these things, but questions. If you have any questions, drop them in here. We'll do a little QA and then and then we can get on with our hump day. Um um, enroll 20 people in my new program. Hell yeah. Hell, hell yeah. I love that. Um, I love the umbrella. Yes. Yes. The umbrella is just like, I don't know. I just like thought of it a while back and I feel like it just makes so much sense. It's like, it's for, cause some people do really like to hardcore niche down. I think you can, but it's just like what you want to sprinkle in that all of like your people have in common. And sometimes it can be hard to figure that out on your own, but um, my sister recently left business school, dessert law school. I've been taking step by step to get my art back right now. I'm focused on posting on Instagram daily. I post schedule. Ooh, where'd that go? I've been taking photos as I finish. Next is to get a car so I can go to Mark and the pop-ups. Yes, and that would be so fun, right? Um, I and I think too, like it's just getting into the swing. Like if you haven't been consistently like sharing in that in that way, it's just like continuing to shake off the cobwebs, figure out like what works and what doesn't. And that is so much very, like posting content on social media is very much going to be like a lot of trial and error because there's a lot of trial and error of what works for you. So there might be something that somebody does that works really well for them that like I would see and be like, there's absolutely no way I would ever do that because I wouldn't want to and it just wouldn't work for me. So you, you, there's no like real, I would even put any of the things in the category of what I just said, like to, what trial and error to not try because you have to figure out like what works specifically for your account, your niche, your content, and like what your audience likes. Everybody's really different. Okay. No questions. Last chance. It's okay if we don't 
just want to check. Um, okay, cool. No, it's okay to still process. And you can ask too, like I shared in the, um, I know sometimes it's like, you're just like absorbing and marinating and all that stuff. If you have any questions and they come up later, please like just post. Cause I have the settings in the Facebook group that anybody can post. If you're like, Ooh, I, you know, I had, I had a question, but I couldn't think of it. And now I do share it. And then I can always save it for when we do, um, the next one. So awesome. Um, will you speak on personal IG, um, yeah. Well, you speak on personal IG and business versus one. So I'm assuming you're talking about, um, like, should you have a personal Instagram and a business Instagram or just one where you post everything? Um, yeah. So I, I've changed my opinion on this, but I still feel how I feel. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. So I used to only have one page and I would post personal stuff on there, but mainly on my story. And occasionally I'd throw a picture up like a personal picture up on my, on my business page. I still think you can do that, but I recently, uh, like maybe a few months ago decided to start a personal Instagram for the first time in 12 years because I wanted to fully like lean into that because you can, I think it is very much important for you to share your personal life on your business page. If your business page is only your business page and people don't know about you and what you do and what makes you, you, they don't get to see that side of you and you don't have to share that. You're not obligated to, but I really do think it helps people to like, just build a different relationship with you. And I know it attracts my people to me. What's really fun is I attract a lot of people that also like to go to music festivals and not like, I only like to work with people that go to music festivals, but it's so fun when we can like catch up and they're like, Oh my gosh, are you going to like electric force? I'm like, Oh my gosh, me too. And like, there's just like a different element that creates a little bit more like fun with it. And so I think when you can share that piece, I think it's great. But I think that I have a personal page that I get to share even more of me because what I realized is when I only had a business page, yes, I was sharing those personal pieces. I always have, but I wasn't taking as many pictures. Cause I was like, where am I going to put it? Like, yeah, I had it. But so it's like the personal page gives me a place to like, even, even put more of me on there. So I would say still share your personal stuff, but don't be afraid to have a personal page. That way you don't lose how we use social media. And it's only a business minded thing. Like I kind of wanted to just have this place where like, I still get to share with my friends and do those things, but I'm not going to share every single weekend pictures of me with my friends, but I can on my personal page. So that'd be my opinion. Business versus creator, always creator. I think, I think it's creator or I guess it is creator versus business, but yes, creator from what I've heard. And just through like the grapevine of like people I know that do Instagram like whatever you call it, like Instagram growth, growth people, creator accounts get a few more features. Like if you go to your stickers, like a lot of times creator accounts will get things first. They'll get, because creators are like, there's more creators on, on Instagram than there are business accounts technically. Cause a lot of influencers will be your creator accounts. So there's more features. So I always recommend everybody switch to a creator account versus a business account. Um, you just get more features. Um, I like seeing the personal human side of business pages. I follow. Yes. Like I, I do not, I like, I'll still follow someone, but I'm like, or there's no way this is just you. Like, what do you do on the weekends? Like, do you like, do you do anything else other than this business? You know what I mean? And it's not like I have to have it, but when I do have it, I like it. It's like one of those things that you don't notice until you see it. And then you're like, oh, this is so cool that I get to see this other side of this person. Um, 
I feel like your business page, you could share who you are, but that's what's relevant to serving your audio client with attention while you're sharing it. Yes. And the other piece of it too, is like, just in terms of the algorithm, if you get too much into the personal side of things on your business page, you kind of screw over the algorithm of how Instagram knows how to show you. So that's why you, that's why I share a lot of that on my story. Occasionally we'll throw it on my, on my feed, but not too often, but my personal page, like I, I like having that. Um, I like the analytics of business. Yeah, but you still get analytics with creator accounts too. So you still get that as well. So don't worry about that. But yeah, I don't think business accounts get music. So you definitely want to set that. I found you Alexis from Shalina Brock's Johnson's ID training. Their training is top notch. I know people keep telling me that and I didn't even know I was like in their training. I don't, I, I think Brock mentioned it to me like a little bit ago, but like it was so long ago. I don't even remember, but that's pretty cool. But all right. Awesome. Any other questions, any other things, whatnot? I appreciate you guys being here again. Thank you for being here, Presley. Yes. Awesome. 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 Well, tomorrow we're going to dive in a little bit more about strategy, way more into like social media and, and uh, like all the things that we're talking about, but doing all the things that we are talking about through the lens of social media. Um, so anything, any questions you have on social media, bring them tomorrow. I will see you guys. We'll pick the winner who gets a month of one-on-one. So anything you want to share from today, takeaways, anything like that, and you want some extra entries, make sure they're there. Peace out, y'all. Have a good rest of your Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to the XOXO, your tough love coach podcast. I appreciate you more than you know. If you loved hanging with me, I'd love for you to share the podcast to your social media or send it to a friend who might need a tough love pep talk. Also, if you need accountability and a community that gets you, I'd love to have you a part of my tough love collective. This is a year open membership to vibe with me, get bi-weekly group calls to get support and ask questions, as well as free access to everything I offer throughout the year, including masterclasses and events. Visit my website at alexisrm.com or DM me on Instagram at the tough love coach to learn more. See you next week.